As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Very spooky. Hello, howdy who? Hello, welcome back. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. This is an Encounters episode where we read your stories back to you. And it's my favorite. And I can't wait for all the scary stories that Corinne picked for me. I know because it's an extension of your birthday. So you know I picked some good ones. I can't wait. Do you want to just get into it? Of course. I already have it pulled up. I'm ready to go. Oh my God. This one is labeled... It's uh, the subject line is alien shenanigans just for you, Sabrina. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It is from M. Okay. Hello, my ghostesses and Leia. I stumbled across your podcast a few months ago and I've been hooked ever since. I've been meaning to write you about some of the spooky things that I've experienced, but Sabrina's recent plea for extraterrestrial stories convinced me to write in. Thank you so much, M. The first time I had ever heard about anything alien related was from my mom, who believes that when she was a teenager, her and her sisters were abducted or something. This was back in the 80s up in Michigan, and I believe that they were on their way back from a drive-in theater. She said it was around 10 p.m., kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and they were just driving, listening to music. And one of her sisters pointed up to the sky and was like, do you see those lights? And her older sister, who was driving, was like, whoa, I, uh, what is that? And pulled off to the side of the road. My mom said she looked up to see three oddly shaped lights. She recalls them as being triangular with an orangish yellow pulsating glow. She said it felt as if they were looking at the lights for maybe one or two minutes. And then all of a sudden they were gone and the car was turned off and they were sitting in absolute darkness. Needless to say, they were a little freaked out. Took her sister multiple times to get the car started, and when she did, she glanced at the clock and realized it was almost 4 (gasps) a.m. Hours had passed by. Oh, my God. I just slapped my leg as I said that. (laughs) Hours had passed by, and they didn't have a clue what happened. When they got home, there were cops at their house because the parents thought that something awful happened to them. No one believed their accounts, and they lost driving privileges for the rest of the year. Oh my gosh. She absolutely believes it had something to do with the aliens because there's no explanation for lights, losing that much time, having zero recollection of anything else. Still to this day, 
She watches this guy and loves everything paranormal, extraterrestrial, and is a huge conspiracy theorist, lol. Love her. As for myself, I've always been open-minded, but at the same time, a I'll believe it when I see it kind of person, which brings me to my own personal story. This was back in 2012, and I was in Socorro, New Mexico, visiting my former in-laws with my daughter and now ex-husband. There's a mountain there called M Mountain that you can view perfectly from the window of the room that we were staying in. From what my mother-in-law says, the university that she worked for, the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology, does experiments behind that mountain. Not sure what kind of experiments, but I know that they've sent experiments of theirs to NASA. Anywho, one night I was laying in bed with my daughter, who was asleep, and was in the middle of texting a friend. I heard her neighbor's dog start barking. A few minutes went by and the dog was not letting up. I looked out the window to see what the fuss was about, but didn't notice anything alarming. But then something drew my eye out to the sky, and I saw a single white light. It looked kind of like a plane at first, and it was slowly going down in the sky towards the mountain. I noticed that I didn't see any other lights on it, though. Like, on a plane, usually there's those anti-collision lights that blink, and then suddenly the light stopped moving. And faster than I can process what's happening... It just zigzagged up so fast, faster than anything I've ever seen, and it shot out into the sky. I remember my body going cold, and then I remember waking up the next day and thinking, what the fuck? I don't remember laying back down or going to sleep. (gasps) Nothing. What? And there's no way I just went right back to sleep, right? I would have run my ass into the living room where my ex and his parents were to tell them what I saw. I would have called my mom. I would have panicked. I didn't have any alcohol that night. I don't do drugs. I was completely awake before it happened, mid-text. So I realized that it was still just my daughter and I laying in bed. My ex was out sleeping on the couch. And so I woke him up and I started asking him questions, basically to recall his night after I went and put our daughter into bed. And he didn't have anything eventful to say. I explained to him what I experienced and he laughed in my face. Boo. I mentioned it to his parents and got... Yeah, okay, looks. And I was told that I was probably dreaming. I called my mom and thankfully had a believer in her. Anyone else I mentioned it to basically acted like I didn't remember it right. I must have been dreaming or crazy. So I stopped talking about it. I don't need anyone to believe me because I know what I experienced and it was completely validating for me. I have yet to see or experience anything like that again and I'm okay with that. But this is turning into a novel, so I'm going to wrap it up, lol. Thanks for being an outlet for everyone's experiences. You two truly are a gift to the world, and I look forward to every episode. Hopefully Rona wraps it up soon, so you guys can come to Texas and do a live show. (laughs) Until next time, see you on the other side, M. Okay, I wonder if aliens are similar to the hat man, and it's like hereditary, and they target family lines, and it's like a study of like, oh, we abducted your mother. Now, M, it's your turn. We're doing a study on, on familial lines. Right. Or maybe, oh, I think there are those conspiracies. Sorry, M, this is probably not what you want to hear. But <laughs> those conspiracies of when they like take people and abduct them and then impregnate them. And then there are alien baby humans running around Earth. And maybe M is an alien human. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> It's so crazy, though, that both her mom and aunt and her basically had the same experience where you see bright lights and then suddenly hours pass by and you're just exactly where you were before. But things are different. Time has passed. 
and you have no recollection. It's crazy. So crazy. And that's a lot of time passing. And at least for her mom's story, it was time passed, but they ended up in the same spot that they last remembered being in. Yeah. And it wasn't until they got back in the car and tried to turn it on that they saw how much time had passed. But for M, it was as if the entire night and it just whoosh, all of that time is gone. Oh, so freaky. And it's also weird because so for her mom's experience, they saw the light. Well, I guess they kind of did see it it move away. But I'm just thinking about M's experience where M was watching it leave. Like it seemingly went back to space. And yet still there was some sort of effect on her. I don't know if it was an abduction. I don't know if there's something where there's some sort of energy that like pulsates out and affects people who have witnessed it in a certain span of time. I don't know. Yeah. Like a side effect to memory wiping and that lasts longer or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm ready to read my story to you. Yay. This one is kind of for you and also for all of our listeners because for your birthday, you talked about doing the Weiss, Brian Weiss past life regression. Uh Uh-huh. And one of our listeners did it as well. No way. Oh, this is going to make me immediately want to redo it as soon as we stop recording. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. This is from Olivia. And it's called Weiss Past Life Regression Story, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, five exclamation points. That's how much excitement we have about this. What? Where am I? (laughs) Hello, lovely ladies. Boy, do I have a tale for you. After listening to your past episodes, wherein you mentioned the Brian Weiss Past Life Regression video on YouTube, I had to check it out. I'd never heard of it before, but I was dead set on trying it out. As soon as I got home... I closed my window and my door, turned off my fan, and plugged in my earbuds, got the video set up, and laid down on my bed. Now, to give a little background to why I was excited to try this out, I have to let you know about my lifelong fear of fire. Yes, that's right, fire. I'm talking fear as in I didn't learn how to light a match until college. I'm terrified of bonfires, but also somehow drawn to them. I can't really explain it. It's like a fear I've always had. I can remember feeling it as far back as around four years old when even the mention of the word fire and fireworks terrified me enough to hide from them. Anyway, I've been curious as to how this innate fear could relate to maybe my past lives. Was I burned alive, tortured with fire, burnt badly? Who knew? But I was so excited at the possibility of finding answers. So, there I was, on my bed, starting the meditation. And mind you, I am not one to meditate. I've tried so hard over the years, but my fluttery heart and anxious brain always went out. But this time was different. Very, very different. I won't give away every step of Weiss's video, but I will say that I was very relaxed. I have never felt so calm. In fact, I even have an irregular... Irregularly? I know, but why does it sound so weird coming out of my mouth? I don't know. I even have an irregularly... with me <laughs> you can't say r's there's yeah. too many r's what's happening maybe say you could say abnormal oh it's not okay. the right terminology but it's close <laughs> oh god okay Whew, i'm gonna try this again you could say it and then i could say irregular whoa <laughs> you, you got it it's contagious <laughs> i was gonna say i'll insert my own voice 
Okay, I'm just going to say I even have an irregular heartbeat. It's fast. Wait, I did it. Okay. You did it. Okay. So Olivia says that I even have an irregularly fast heartbeat due to medical conditions, but this time it was beating perfectly slow. I'll jump forward to the regression memories because it's pretty nuts. Not only did I clearly view my own birth, I could literally hear how my mother's heartbeat echoed in the womb, how bright and scary the hospital room lights were. But I've flashed even further back into a life that makes so much sense for me to have lived. I started by seeing my past life's shoes. I looked down and I was wearing thin scraps of fabric over my dirty feet that almost resembled brown ballet shoes. I could feel every rock on the ground, every grain of dirt when I walked, like the shoes were really just for show. I then saw my hands, my dirty and worn hands. They were young hands, but still so full of lines and marked by hardworking scars. The dirt under my nails made them seem like they were painted black. Then I started moving faster and faster, and my heart was racing, and my feet were pounding on the ground. I remember thinking that all I could smell was blood and dust, blood and dust. I repeated that to myself over and over, blood and dust. And suddenly I ran into a crowd, a crowd of similarly dirty, worn people, screaming and hollering around. You guessed it, a pyre. I pushed through this crowd and I saw my worst fear. My past life's mother was strung to the beams, a fire lit beneath her, burning her alive. The crowd screamed, witch, devil, and all sorts of curses that hurt my heart. I screamed out so loud my throat went dry, and I felt hands trying to force me back as I struggled to reach my past mother. In my reality, as I was meditating, I could feel my body shaking. My arms and legs were jerking, spasming, almost like a dog does when he dreams of chasing a squirrel. I have never done anything like that before. Past me was terrified. I could feel her fear, her pain, and it was agony. Eventually, I flashed forward to the end of that memory, and it was the girl, dressed in tattered 1600s rags, crouched in the corner of a dirt floor room as she hugged her knees to her chest and sobbed over and over. My mind chanted, alone, 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 blood and dust alone. And then I woke up. I couldn't believe it. I knew I had reason to fear fire, but I always thought it was as a result of something physical that happened to my own past body. Turns out it was someone I love, which almost hurts even more. Anyway, I am sure there are more details, but I just had to get this out to tell you too. I still can't believe it happened. It was one of the heaviest experiences I've ever had, yet somehow freeing as now I seem to understand a bit more of who I am. Thanks for all you do. Stay spooky, friends. Love, Olivia. Okay, this is absolutely wild. With so many of the experiences that people have from using this sort of like meditation regression therapy, it's stuff that like you can't make up. Like I feel like sometimes my fear with this is that I'll I'll think like, oh, well, I was told that I was an Olympic athlete. And so I'm just going to imagine this life as that person and and, like validate what I was already told. Mm -hmm. But something like this for her... To have realized that it was someone else and not even herself just is so, I feel like just so validating that it's really, truly an experience where you tapped into a bit of your past life. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's also horrific because I feel like so often it's the lives that have trauma or whatever traumatic experience happened in that life. That is the image that you're shown. You're not seeing all of the wonderful times of good things. Yeah. It's similar to residual hauntings, right? Like when something traumatic happens, it leaves a darker stain or a heavier stain on a place. 
which I feel like you could say <gasps> the same for. <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god! Ah, what, what the fuck was that? Oh my god! I'm literally dying. Oh, oh, what happened? Oh, there was a bug on me. There was a bug on me, and it's huge. And I flicked it, and its fucking arm is still twitching. I like. vacuum it i'm gonna vacuum it is it still alive i it, no oh god <laughs> i don't know what's wrong with me i literally can't i can't move on from this it, trust me i get it that's how i feel with spiders <laughs> like i i'm gonna have to move the recording equipment because if i just scoot off my bed it's it's one of those really long ones that's like like a what are they called i call them moon bugs but i think they're called silverfish oh yeah and it was giant and it had a million legs and I flicked it and half of its legs fell off and are scattered all over Ew. my bed. Ugh. That's why I'm making these noises. It's fucking gross. No. This is all because my air conditioning broke. So I've had the windows open for like a week straight. Yeah. Lesson learned. Just sweat. Don't let anything in. I'm so sorry you had to go through that experience. Well, I'm sorry that you had to secondhand hear the noises that <laughs> came from my body in absolute horror and disgust. <laughs> I'd literally rather hang with a demon than have that happen again. Oh my god. Hug don't put that, that out in the world though, dude. I don't know. I don't know. That was traumatic. <laughs> when I, my future self, does a past life regression... The trauma from this current life is going to be that. That is what they're going to see. It's just going to be a memory of you screaming while recording a podcast because a bug is crawling on you. Stupid, long-ass bug. Fear of bugs is totally passed on from our ancestors, isn't it? Like, spiders and snakes were some of the greatest fears and heights. Anyway, what a crazy experience for Olivia. That's wild. And also so amazing and kind of cool just to like have had this question your whole life about why you have a fear of fires and then kind of have it answered is amazing i wonder what her relationship is like with her mother now because i wonder if there's some if the feelings that she felt of course they were like horror and fear when she was doing the past life regression but i wonder if perhaps they're like traveling souls and that maybe it's Mm. her mother now or she'll meet someone and it will be she'll be triggered into this memory again and realize yeah. that that person that was her mother in a past life is now this other person in her life. I also wonder if she'll, now that she's kind of opened herself up into acknowledging this past life, if this past life will ever communicate with her again in other ways. Yeah. Ooh, I know. Do you think that once you tap into it, that it will, you no longer have to be in this sort of meditative state that it will just come to you whenever in Russian because it now has permission to to flood into your memories you've accepted it who gave you permission who gave you permission gorge brian weiss did (laughs) as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I'm transitioning now into another alien email (sighs) that's going to take a turn and encompass a few things that you like. Oh my God. This is from Maddie and it's titled A-L-M-A-O. Aliens and the weird yet wonderful running route. I love it. Running. Love running. (laughs) Love running. Good day, ghost buddies. I heard your plea for more alien encounters and such, and I figured I'd give you two of the stories that I have. So when I was a young teen, I would go out to visit my childhood friend, let's call him Ollie, in Queensland, Australia. I'm from Sydney, so it's always a fun trip to go see him. Anyway, what our usual tradition was, was to sit outside and smoke with his mom. We were bad teens. Anyway, (laughs) they lived on this huge plot of land, so we would just sit there and enjoy the night and each other's company and share stories of the paranormal. And we always had this dark abyss of bushland to look out onto. And so this one night, we started to talk about the woodland paranormal experiences. And that's what led into our talk about aliens. We started to talk on this topic, and his mother paused and said, Maddie, do you think aliens are bad? And I kind of responded with a simple, I'm not sure. I haven't met one. And that's when she laid it on both me and Ollie. (gasps) Yes. So the story went. Her and her friend were sitting outside, just like how we all were right then, when they saw something weird, a light that zipped past and disappeared quickly into the bush. She and her friend were puzzled by it. That was until humanoid-type creatures came out of the bush. She told us that they were pale as, and they were wearing clothes. When they approached her property, her and her friend panicked and they ran to hide, locking the doors behind them and tried to call the police. Apparently, the phones were all dead, and the lock unlocked, and these creatures came in. (sighs) We don't wish you harm, only to talk, one of the creatures said to them. Now, this is where it gets weird to both her and her friend, because they felt some sense of calmness come over them. And they let them put something under their skin. At this point in the story, she showed us where this birthmark-looking mark was on her wrist. Then after that, the creatures left and all her and her friend remember is just sitting outside like nothing happened. She said it's because she and her friend followed their instructions and so maybe that's why she remembers the encounter. I'm not too sure. What do you girls think? Another story. I'm sorry, this is long. I go running every morning, sometimes 4 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. I know, I'm weird, and I enjoy stargazing while I'm running. 
Anywho, I run along a big shopping area, and this area leads off into Bushland area. One morning earlier this year, I was doing a 4 a.m. jog again. I'm insane. And (laughs) they said a meteor shower will take place. Well, it did. However, through that shower, I noticed this darker-than-black object move against the shooting meteors. Maybe it was aliens? Maybe a government flight craft? Who knows? (laughs) My running route has been pretty weird between that sighting a cult that chills in the bushland, and a running ghost. I have a lot of spooky stories. But stay safe, stay spooky. P.S. Give Leia a pat from me. I love cats and my childhood cat still visits me in my dreams, even though he passed on years ago. Oh, Maddie. Maddie, I'm giving Leia a big squeeze and pat for you. Her friend's mom has a, like, tracker from aliens inside her wrist. Yes. And it left a birthmark-looking shape. So it makes me wonder if some people are, like, the people that weren't born with birthmarks and develop it over time, do you think that they just don't know that they were abducted by aliens? I don't know. I really don't. I'm not well-equipped to handle this. It's crazy. I also just, like, want her to get, like, an x-ray of her wrist and, and yes. see if there's something in it or if, like, the tracker is is the birthmark, like... Ooh. Are they so high tech Un- that yeah, that's undetectable? What it, yeah. Right. Because we're thinking of like our own modern day technology where it's like a right. clear metal chip that can be detected, but who yeah. the heck knows what's actually being put inside of you? Whoa. By the aliens. And the fact that they communicated with her friend's mom and her friend, and they were able to understand them as if they spoke the same language, whether it was like mentally communicated to them or what yeah i don't know it's so weird it's very weird it's also interesting that the aliens like with all the capability that these humanoid like creatures with clothing on had they knew how to speak the language they wore clothes to present themselves in a way that humans would be less fearful right but it's interesting that they landed in a bush instead of just like out in the open or landing where they weren't visible and then approaching i'm confused about their landing you know they can't be perfect at everything corinne no maybe the one guy that the one alien that never gets to drive like convinced the other alien like just let me drive this time and he has his permit he's still learning yeah he's still learning (laughs) and it's also very creepy to think about maddie's experience running so early in the morning which like please please be safe yeah but to see something it's always the description like blacker than black like what is moving against darkness that like obsidian black that is so eerie maddie props to you for running late at night i think this it sounds beautiful looking at the stars while running but i'm just so afraid of the dark that even when there isn't something darker than dark moving in the sky or around where i am i'm terrified of everything that comes with the night so i just couldn't imagine wouldn't even be looking at the sky because I'd I'd just be scared of the darkness and the bushes yeah. and the cockroaches and rats. <laughs> I do want to know more about this running ghost, though, too. Yes. Let us know. Let us know, Maddie. Okay, what did you pick for your next read? This one is from Courtney, and it's called My Story, The Haunting of a Misplaced Girl. Hi, ladies. I started listening to the podcast at the advice of a friend, and I have to say, of course, that I love, love, love it. From the very first episode, I felt a connection, and I was hooked. I've changed the names of those in this story, and I ask that you please do not reveal my real real name, because there are parts of my story where I'm sure I'll be recognized. I haven't told anyone 
this in fear of the straitjacket. So here goes. About seven years ago, I met a man, Steve, at a club who soon came to be the man of my dreams, or so I thought. We had everything in common except that we lived in different states. He was only in town for a couple of days, but we exchanged phone numbers and talked often afterwards. About a month after we met, I decided to take the road trip and go and spend a weekend with him, and it was awesome. We started making regular trips back and forth for visits, and soon we were exclusive. Well, I was anyways. And one weekend, when I went to go see him, I found out that he was seeing other girls, and a fight ensued. He swore up and down that I'd be the only one from now on, and I believed him. In getting to know each other, we talked about paranormal stuff. This was the only thing we butted heads on. I believe without a doubt, but he was a complete skeptic. We agreed to disagree. After we had our first fight, I started having my doubts about our relationship. And this is where shit gets weird. I was in my late 30s then, and all my life I had believed in ghosts, demons, angels, multi-dimensions, and multi-universes, witchcraft, aliens, you name it. The last two decades, I had practiced paganism exclusively. I have had prophetic dreams and clairvoyance. I'm an empath and can easily pick out the bad from the good. And something in Steve was not right. But I was so deeply attracted to him that I needed to stay with him. One night, it was becoming very hot and heavy in the bedroom, when I felt a moment of silent clarity come over me. It seemed as though time slowed and the lines of communication opened up. I closed my eyes and silently asked the gods to please give me a sign if Steve was the one for me. Next, the most frightening thing I've ever seen showed me my answer. I opened my eyes and in front of me stood my boyfriend, black, sunken eyes, a shadowy, sunken face, and no soul. Oh God. Steve was gone. Only his decrepit six foot five shell of a body remained. For a second, I felt like I was surrounded by hell and ominous echoes of laughter. Two seconds later, all was back to normal. We were in the throes of lust, but I was so spooked I had to stop. He was confused at my change in mood, so I told him suddenly that I felt really dizzy. I pondered that night for a while and sometimes think that what I'm about to tell you was a punishment for not heeding the warning of the gods. But like a naive girl dying for Prince Charming, I stayed with Steve, never saying anything to anybody about that night until now. Fast forward a year, and I'm about to uproot my life and move across state lines to live with Steve. After a couple of months living with his roommate, we decided we needed a place of our own. One of his buddies had a place for rent, so we looked at it. There was nothing super special about it, but it was an old 120-year-old house, and I love old houses. Small town seemed like a quiet neighborhood, and we knew the landlord. So, we moved in. A couple weeks go by, and Steve and I were goofing off in the living room when all of a sudden we heard music. We stopped, looked at each other, and said, what the hell? We ran to the dining room and heard it again. It was classical music. Then we run to the kitchen, but it stopped. We were both speechless. There was no explanation as to where the music would come from. All the doors and windows were closed, no electronics were on, and the music was quite clear. Steve, who proclaimed to be a total skeptic and laughed anytime I mentioned ghosts, finally got a glimpse of the other side. A few days later, Steve was talking about our little encounter to our landlord, Charlie, to which Charlie replies, oh yeah, the house is haunted. 
he proceeded to tell the story about how when him and his wife lived there, they were in bed sleeping and his wife's leg was grabbed and she was dragged to the edge of the bed. What? Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's not just like, oh yeah, <laughs> this place is haunted. Like, what the fuck? A few days later, another friend told us that when he lived there with Charlie and his wife, he couldn't take how bad it was and had to sleep in the garage. And that is coming from a Marine who served two tours in Iraq and was the baddest, meanest mother effer I've ever met. So after finding this out, everything went from bad to all hell breaking loose. I spent a lot of time alone in that house. One, because I was a contractor and worked from home. And two, Steve was a very unfaithful boyfriend. Believe me when I say that topic alone would be an 800-page epic novel. I'll spare you since this email is long enough. A lot of times I worked late into the night since I had deadlines. One night I was at the dining room table, aka my desk, when I looked at the window. It was dark out, so it was easy to make out the reflection of a creature behind me, preparing for attack. That was the only time I saw anything, thank God. But then I started hearing the noises, and I knew for sure without a doubt that this was a demon house. One night, I was sitting on the couch watching TV, alone, of course. Mind you, at the time, I usually only watched the Food Network or music festivals, so my mind wasn't being influenced. And I thought I heard a woman scream. I muted the TV, and I realized, yep, that's what I heard. This woman was screaming for her life. I jumped up and went to the window since it sounded like it was coming from the neighbor's house, but it stopped. So I sat back down, scared to death. And then I began to feel ice cold. My nose, my toes, my fingers. It was crazy. And then I heard it again. It was a long scream, but this time it sounded like she was in the devil's grips and being tortured. And then the scream changed. It lowered in tone and slowed down into a deep baritone laugh, like only Satan himself was in the room playing tricks on my ears. I could not understand what the fuck was happening. My mind could not wrap itself around this. So being an avid Ghost Hunters fan, I decided to investigate. I bought a digital recorder and started my EVP work. I couldn't believe the shit I recorded. A few things were very perverted and sick, and I shudder still when I think about it. But there were two recordings that really stuck out. The first one was the same as what I heard before, the woman screaming and the evil laughter. It was recorded over and over again, exactly the same each time. It almost felt like something was in a loop and stuck in there. The second recording was just as fucked up as the first. It was whispers and chatters of a lot of voices. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but then a woman's voice, clear as day, sang over them, singing an old English hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. To this day, I have to stop myself from even thinking of that song. After about a year of living in the house, a friend of mine, Pauline, and I were out for drinks, and she told me about how she used to clean my house for a previous tenant. The lady who lived there was kind of eccentric and hippie-ish. The entire backyard was so dense with wildflowers you couldn't even walk through it. Pauline said that she always felt really uncomfortable in that house and like she was always being watched. She said a few times she heard a man's voice say, Peter, but no one was home. I started telling Pauline about some of my experiences, and she was not surprised. She told me that she had a friend, Maggie, who was a witch, and would see if she was willing to come over and help cleanse the house. When Maggie came over, she went into witch mode right away. She sat on the couch and meditated for a few minutes, and then she went upstairs to the extra bedroom, which we didn't use the room very much, and Steve kept his clothes in there, and I had a bookshelf in it. 
but I hated that room. I avoided going in there at all costs because every time I passed the doorway, I could sense a presence watching me. To make things creepier, the door in that room had a padlock on the outside to keep whatever was in there inside. Eek. As Maggie, Pauline, and I stood in that room, we discussed how unnerving it was. But soon Maggie said, I've lost it. It's gone. And as we went back downstairs, Pauline made a joke and said, well, at least there isn't a Ouija board in there. I stopped mid-stairway and turned around. I looked at Pauline and I said, oh shit, there is. I'd been given a Ouija board as a gift a few years back, but after a previous experience with one, I do not use them and the board was still in the packaging and wrapped in plastic. I found the board and handed it to Maggie, who said that we had to burn it immediately. Disclaimer, we had always heard that the only way to properly dispose of one is to burn it. So we went to the backyard, built a bonfire, and watched the board burn. I'm sure my neighbors thought we were crazy since it was the middle of a summer day and three long-skirted women were standing around a fire ring. LOL. Anyway, after that, I saged the entire house and things were quiet for a few weeks. But then they started up again. I tried telling Steve that I couldn't live there anymore and we needed and we needed to find a new place, but he brushed me off since he was still pretty skeptical and he laughed at my stories quite often. But one day, he invited a guy over that he'd met through a mutual friend. This guy, Fred, has a house for sale that he'd be willing to rent out to the right people. And as we were chatting, Fred stops and says, Oh, now I remember why this house is so familiar. He goes on to tell us that his brother-in-law's girlfriend used to live there. She was the hippie lady with the flowers. He told us that she planted all those flowers to calm the spirits. And he kind of laughed and said, That's Death Alley out back, you know? Steve says, What do you mean? So Fred tells us about how through the years, about five or six men were electrocuted out in the back alley because of the electrical boxes. What? And that they weren't grounded, so they all burnt the men to crisps. And now it's haunted. Oh my God. Steve's face goes blank and turns completely white. He looks at me terrified. And I say to him, I fucking told you so. Needless to say, we were moved out within a month. That wasn't really the end of it, but truly the terrifying stuff didn't continue. Of course, that relationship ended a few years ago, and I have since moved back to my home state. I admit I was traumatized by the whole experience, and I believe that I suffer from PTSD, not only from the hauntings, but also from how insanely awful Steve treated me. I'm slowly healing, and I truly believe that your podcast has helped with that. Knowing that there are others out there who have witnessed similar events is comforting. Keep up the awesomeness, and I'll see you on the other side. Love and light. Oh, gosh. I'm so I'm so curious as to why Courtney, despite seeing kind of like the evil or the soullessness of her significant other at that time, what it was or like the reason behind her being so attracted to him. Was it something that was kind of like out of her control and the darkness was kind of working its way and, and keeping her close to him? Right. Or maybe there was a reason for it. Like she was meant to do something or find something or learn something. And so she needed to stay just a little longer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've talked about how demonic presences can be really eerily charming and kind of suck you in. And it seems like maybe that might have been what it was. But yeah, because I would never wish for her to be with someone who doesn't treat her well. Yeah. And also, oh my God, can you imagine mid make out on your way to like doing the dirty you open your eyes and the person you're with is a soulless eyeless 
demonoid figure. Oh my God, no. It's terrifying. I would never be able to get that image out of my mind. I feel like I'm going to make out with Nick tonight and I'm going to see that just because this image is in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) You're just going to be screaming. He's going to be like, what's happening? (laughs) I'm so glad that they got out of that house. It clearly was not. I mean, the combination of one, their unhealthy, probably not great relationship and all the dark spirits and deaths that happened in that house probably was a bad combo. You know what I love about this story, though, is that it feels so much like a movie or like the best novel. The fact that Courtney befriended this woman who used to be like the caretaker or cleaner of this house. She had this sort of natural historian as her best friend who experienced some of the same things, knew previous owners, like had the backstory. I just love that. Yeah, it does kind of remind me of like the sisterhood of the traveling house because the amount of people that they knew who knew someone else who lived in that house. And like, yes, it feels like it passed through so many people in that town. I know. I wonder how traumatizing it was for all the kids in that town who like, instead of having like the haunted house in town or whatever, you truly have the haunted house. It's not rumors. It's <laughs> like, no, no, no. The adults are telling you this stuff is happening. Like This yeah. is real. Oh my gosh. That is totally the house that they're like, I dare you to ring the bell. Yes. Oh my gosh. What do you have next? We are going to read this one from Andrea called My Son Had a Previous Life. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I recently found your podcast and have been binging out of order, so I'm sorry if some of my references are old. (laughs) (laughs) I have an eight-year-old who has always been super smart, quirky, and an old soul. He is autistic and sees and feels things differently than most people. I wonder if his sensitivity stretches into the paranormal. One evening, my mother, aunt, and I were out to dinner, and my son was a baby at the time, and we were trying to get him to say grandma. At the time, he called my mother vaca, which means cow in Spanish. So we (laughs) laughed about this a lot. In the middle of dinner, my son looks up at the ceiling, totally spaced out, and said very clearly, grandma. A few seconds later, he shook his head and refocused on us and went back to his normal self. We all looked at each other and immediately thought of my grandma, who has passed, and we all got chills. He then did not say the word grandma for several more months. When he was a little older, about three, he walked into the kitchen while I was making dinner and asked about his parents. I said, well, I'm one of your parents. Your mom and dad are your parents. My son said, no, my other parents from Africa. And I said, what do you mean? Were your parents? My other parents, they didn't have to work. They had a farm. I miss them. He insisted for a few months that he'd had a previous family and a sibling and that he missed them. He was so young that I could not get many more details, but it really made me think. I was raised Catholic and we don't really believe in reincarnation, so I was a little freaked out. I did some research and read that often children that claim to have previous lives often have a prominent birthmark that coincides with the way that they died in their previous life. And guess what? My son has a prominent birthmark right on his eyebrow. There was another case where my son was so upset about something. I kept trying to figure out what he was upset about. Being that he was still a toddler, I couldn't really hear the full story. But what he did say was so disturbing. He said, you were sick and yucky and you threw up and died. Then I came back to you, my mom. Don't ever do that again. Apparently, we both had previous lives. He's still an interesting character, but no longer recalls his past lives. 
I really enjoy your show, and even though I can be skeptical about certain things, I enjoy learning and hearing such amazing stories. I was debating writing in until I heard Corinne reference how her mom has a nickname for her feet, Fred Flintstone feet, and that's what we call my sister's feet. So I laughed so hard and took it as a sign to communicate with you. (laughs) Beware of your child's past lives and see you on the other side, Andrea. It's so interesting because it sounds like her son is recalling so many past lives, like one where perhaps, I mean, who who knows, but like a family in Africa that seems completely separate from his current family. And then this relationship with his mother where she yeah. got sick and, and died. Yeah, which makes me think that they're traveling souls, which is is amazing. It is amazing. But you're right. The two lives are separate because he didn't say like, you were my mom and my dad lived on a farm in Africa and I had a sibling. Like it was like, no, no, my other mom and dad. And then in this instance, it was like, no, you were my mom, but you got sick. And then I came back to you to live our lives together again. I love past lives. They're so fascinating. Very fascinating. And the birthmark. It makes me wonder, are the birthmarks... I have questions that I know we're not going to be able to answer, but with the birthmarks, I'm so curious as to if birthmarks are more typical to signal how you died in your most recent past life, Mm. or if it's something that's carried through with you throughout your lives. If there was something really prominent, a trauma that was really prominent, that it's carried through every single past life. So maybe for like five lives in a row, you have a birthmark on your left chest. Or does it also kind of signal as to how you will die? Like, do you think that you're almost like fated sometimes to die in a certain way? I like to think that it's more about your past life because I don't want to go find birthmarks in my body and be like, now, how do I theorize I'm going to die related to this birthmark and its location? Yeah. And its shape. I think I'm going to be stabbed and. And the knife would be twisted because I have a birthmark on my, an uneven birthmark on my stomach. That's the only thing I could think of. Maybe you had appendicitis in a past life and the surgery went wrong. Perhaps my appendix is a little bit lower. But yeah, maybe they just scooped it from the top. Didn't know what they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Scooped it. There's a lot of scooping in my medical world. (laughs) I'm so glad you're not a doctor. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I couldn't. I can't even handle a bug. Me neither. Okay. This is from Jack, and it's called Posed House of God. Hi, my name is Jack. I have listened to your podcast for quite a while, and I absolutely love it. Whenever I used to drive from Dallas to Austin, I'd listen to your spooky stories. I have been obsessed with the supernatural for years, and it's only just getting stronger. So, I have a few stories for you. Firstly, as I said before, I have always been fascinated by the supernatural. My parents raised me very religious and taught me the Bible as well as other religions, so when it comes to theology and the paranormal, I am very open-minded. Angels and demons used to never frighten me, but the older I get and the more I experience and see, the more I grow cautious. Now I have stepped away from the church and allowed myself to grow and discover new things about myself as a person. My parents raised me and my brother and sister in a giant log cabin in North Texas in the country. Although this house was built by my dad, I swear to you, it's haunted. It wasn't your typical scary house in the woods. There's a lot more to it. So, first story first. When I was little, I used to sleep in the room that was connected to the hallway to the attic. 
There was no door from my room to the stairs up to the attic, and all that separated me from the stairs was a tall screen door held by a latch. So I always had this dark hallway connected right to my room. My bed faced said hallway, and every night when I tried to sleep, I had to look right into that darkness. When I was younger, my mom used to read a lot to me, and I really had a thing for being scared of rats and rainstorms. So whenever it rained or thundered super loudly, I'd run into my parents' bedroom. One particular night, as I lay in bed, I was around seven years old, it started to pour outside and thunder quite loudly. Lightning and rain pounded outside my windows, and I pulled the covers up around my head. It only got more and more heavy, so I covered my face with a blanket. I could hear the rain pouring, and then suddenly, I heard something slam. It was the screen door. And keep in mind, this door is inside my room, where there are no windows open, no wind, nothing. I peeked my eyes out from under the covers, and I saw the door open once more, and then slam, shut, and latch itself. Ooh. I instantly laid completely flat on my bed and didn't even yell for my parents. I tried to breathe quietly and keep my eyes squeezed shut. Then, another sound came from my room. Also connected to my room was a sliding wooden door that led into the bathroom. The door screeched open very slowly, and it didn't close. I held my eyes shut even tighter. I thought I was imagining it, so I opened one eye under the covers and peeked, and I saw the bathroom door completely open and the dark room beyond it. And then, last and final thing I heard was a few minutes later. I was still frozen under my blankets, and then there came the sound of scraping feet on the floor, climbing down the stairs, down the hallway from the attic, and into my bedroom. And it stopped just by the bathroom door. A year later or so, I was sleeping in my room, and I had snuck my cat in to sleep with me. I had a bunk bed now, and he would often curl up right under my chin. This particular night, he woke me up and started to hiss. I opened my eyes, and I saw two red eyes staring out from the darkness around my bed. My cat jumped and began to puff up. He hissed and growled more before jumping out of the bunk bed and to the ground. A few seconds after he landed, I heard a loud thud on the floor as he growled even louder. I reached my hand out to turn on the light in my room, and as soon as I did, all I saw was my puffball of a cat sitting on the ground, staring under my bed. Second story. So when I was about 16 or so, I had just seen The Conjuring. In fact, during the weeks before Christmas, I had marathoned tons of horror movies since I had never had the chance to see them before. But I've always loved The Conjuring, especially the second with the little girl and the possession. They have recordings of her voice on YouTube during the interviews, which scares the shit out of me. But the part that always stuck with me was in the second film, one of the girls makes a Ouija board out of an old cereal box. My stupid self knew nothing about the proper use of these boards, and I assumed it wouldn't be that bad. So instead of researching it properly, I just began. I knew a bit about using the board, so I looked at some images online and made my own out of an old shoebox and a handmade planchette. I sat cross-legged in my room at almost midnight. I had candles lit and some incense going as well, and I had just saged my room before sitting down to begin. It was around 2 a.m., and I started to focus my mind and try to begin. I closed my eyes and leaned forward a bit, but before I even started, I felt the room get really unusually cold, especially considering that I had the heat blasting constantly. The candles I had lit blew out, and I opened my eyes. I was sitting in total darkness now, and that is one of my worst fears. And then suddenly, I heard and felt something loud fall and hit the floor of my room. I scrambled up and flipped on the light. 
the books from my deep bookshelf had completely fallen backwards off of the shelf. As I started to pick them up and set them back on the shelf, I had this prickling feeling in my neck that someone was watching me. At this age, I had changed rooms from when I was little and had moved into a large room with a vent opening, wooden rafters, and large windows. And my bed was right underneath this vent opening. Many times I'd hear something scraping and moving in the vent or tapping on my windows. Several times I'd wake up with a start and see shadowy figures outside my windows standing on the roof or sitting in a tree peering inside. I have experienced other crazy smaller experiences even after moving houses. I moved in with my boyfriend and at this parent's house, I sat in the bed with him and watched doors slam on their own and we constantly hear clanging or footsteps outside the bedroom in the living room. Scary shit. Anyway, stay safe. Love you all. And thank you for always making my day better. Love always, Jack. Tell me why when Jack said that they see like shadows on the tree outside, I immediately thought of the scene in Matilda where she's like using her powers from the tree to move Oh my God. Yes. I thought more because I very recently watched the Poltergeist, the original movie. There's that like mm. creepy tree outside his window that comes to life and then takes like grass, grass around the kid and takes him outside. I thought of that. Oh, God. Well, the whole thing just sounds like there's something dark that's watching Jack and kind of stalking Jack. It doesn't matter what room you're in, if you're with your yeah. parents, if you're under the covers, if you have a pet, <gasps> it will find you. Well, now you make it really terrifying as if it wasn't already. <laughs> I mean, what was under the bed? And ooh, the part where Jack was describing the sound of footsteps moving from the attic down the steps to the bedroom door, that that was so like, terrifying. oh my God, like horror. And waking Absolutely. up to those red eyes and then Jack's cat freaking out and then staring under the bed. Just, I would be terrified of that entire house. I would want to move out. And I know, I know Jack was what? like seven at some of these points of the story. So probably very difficult to be like, hey, parents, let's move. Right. But terrifying. I wonder if Jack's sister ever experienced anything. Or wait, did is there a brother here too? I think there might be. Uh, I yeah, brother and sister. I'm mm-hmm. curious if, if they had some of any similar experiences in terms of like this one seemingly dark demonic creature terrorizing them at night. Yeah, I wonder. Jack, let us know. I'm going to opt for not living in a house with a demon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, it wouldn't be a Sabrina Encounters without a couple demon stories from me to tell you. 
or well from other people, but I'm just oh, it's like you you have a demon personal story and you've waited this long. You picked out your own demon stories, and then I I picked out stories written by a couple of our listeners that I'm now going to <laughs> take credit for and read to you. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is called Demon in the Baby Monitor. Oh, yep. I'm in, and it's from Liz. Hi, ladies. Longtime listener, first time caller. I've always loved the paranormal, but I've never had any experiences until now. All I can say now is that I sincerely hope I never have another experience. For context, <laughs> I have two kids, a two-year-old and a four-month-old, and I live on a farm in rural Minnesota. I've never felt any negative vibes or had any issues until last night. Oh, no. I usually watch a movie before bed. And last night, I watched a documentary about an extremely demonic house. The documentary had a disclaimer at the beginning that it was believed that demonic forces associated with this house could potentially transmit themselves via electronics and to watch at your own risk. But I laughed it off as... Wait, I need to know this documentary. It's a Demon House by Zach Bagans. Oh, that's. I was wondering if it was that. At the very end... Sorry, Liz. At the very end, she she writes, I didn't want to put it in the email because I don't want to encourage others to watch it, but it's Demon House by Zach Bagans. <laughs> but we're saying it anyway. We've discussed it. But I laughed it off as a cheesy marketing tactic. After it was over, I watched something funny to wind down, and then I went to bed. I woke up to a sharp, intense cry from my two-year-old over the baby monitor. I immediately ran to her room and stood outside the door to listen. She didn't make any further noise, so I figured she must still be asleep and just cried out in a dream. I went back to my bed and I checked my phone. 3.30 a.m. Oh. I told myself, it's just a coincidence. My daughter has a lot of sleep issues and this was not out of character for her. As I laid in bed trying to go back to sleep, all of the power in the house just went out. For no reason. (gasps) No. Oh my God, no. Everything went pitch black and completely silent. This is very out of character. I've lived on this property for 27 years and we have never once lost power for no reason. Oh my God. I checked my phone. It's 3.33 a.m. Fuck. At this point, I'm just frozen in bed terrified. After a minute, the power flashed back on. I went to go check on the kids and they were both fine and sleeping and I got back into bed, thoroughly shook, but still telling myself that it was the creepiest coincidence ever. But then the noises started. A strange dripping sound came from my infant son's baby monitor. It was consistent, but not repetitive, like an organic sound would be. My son sleeps less than 15 feet from our bed, and we only have a monitor for him because we're both heavy sleepers, and the monitor is cranked up to max volume right next to my husband's head so that it wakes us up if we're asleep. But... If we're awake, we can hear him perfectly, and there's absolutely no dripping sound happening in real life, but I could hear it as clear as day over the monitor. We've been using this monitor since my daughter was born over two years ago, and nothing like this has ever happened before. I tried to ignore it for a few minutes, but it wouldn't stop. At this point, I was losing my shit, and although I've never been a religious person, I said out loud, in the name of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, you are not welcome in this house. The dripping immediately stopped. Oh? I said the phrase six more times, seven times total, and everything was completely back to normal. So far, nothing weird has happened today, but I'm going to our local metaphysical store this afternoon to pick up some materials. Anyway, would love to hear any suggestions on what to do to keep the activity out of my house going forward. And going forward, I think I'll just stick to watching cooking shows and reality (laughs) TV for a while. Big WTF. Thanks for the podcast and all you ladies do, Liz. 
That's horrific and so terrifying. And I don't know what it was, if it was like a ghost playing a prank on you because you would just watch a scary movie or if it was something demonic or what. But the timing of that is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. It's I mean, I feel like it just can't be a coincidence like it's just there was something especially too. I'm sure I'm sure like the people that are just kind of like, oh, ha, 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 like it, it's nothing like I mean, I haven't seen Demon House all the way through. I think I watched like the first 15 minutes of it and then I was like, I'm not risking it. And I dropped off. But I can only imagine that if I were a demon, I would be tempted to go to people like Liz who are like, oh, it's just a marketing ploy. Like this isn't this isn't anything. And just do right. just do a little one night. Just hey, you just be like, I'm, I'm not a joke. I'm real. So scary. I did watch that whole movie. You did? I watched it on my computer in a minimized screen. So it was basically this tiny little like rectangle on my computer. And then I had, I was playing Candy Crush and trying to avoid watching it fully. So perhaps that saved me. Don't they show the like actual shadow, like the image of the demon with like the the horns and Oh my they God. show a lot. Yeah. It's scary. It's a scary one. But, oh God, I, I honestly think Liz's experience is much scarier than the movie. Yes. And, I mean, it sounds like she was home alone that night, too, which is even worse. Ooh. Like, it's already, I feel like, I mean, I can't speak as a mother because I don't have children. And so I'm making an assumption here. But I would assume that when you have two young kids, regardless of who's home, you're already kind of already on edge and probably not sleeping the best, especially if you have a really young child. But to be alone, which is my assumption Ah. here, like you're even more on high alert with every noise, everything that's happening. And it's all up to you. Like everything is on you. You don't have backup. And it's like the fact that the power went out almost minutes after she woke up to her child screaming on the baby monitor. It's just not okay. I know. I mean, I guess two-year-olds, it's kind of hard to communicate with them sometimes and have them recall memories. But I wonder if what that experience was like for her daughter. Like, was it a dream? Was it a nightmare? Was there some scary monster that introduced itself, which was like the demon just presenting itself through the dream to this child? Or was it none of that at all? Was it the demon's attempt at like mimicking the cry of her child to get her out of bed, to get her alert? to get Liz in a more vulnerable and conscious state. Liz, I hope you have not had any experiences since. Please keep us updated. Sage the shiz out of your home. Yeah, do some cleansings. You can do some sound cleansings. I'm sure that you've got stuff around your house that you can use. But I do love that, like, saying you're not welcome in this house did help. I have a story from Austin. And it's called My Stepmother the Skeptic. Hi, I'm writing you guys again, but I have one recent supernatural encounter that I have to share. Last night, as of the time I'm writing this email, I was visited by something. I've always had trouble falling asleep, but last night was something different. I had decided that I just wasn't going to sleep. So I rolled over to check my phone and that's when I saw it. The best way to describe it is like a pale faced person but where the eyes and mouth should have been were almost like smears of black ink or something. It was standing in the corner of my room next to the door. It didn't speak or move 
or do anything really. It just watched me. I don't know how long I stared at it, but eventually I passed out. After I woke up, I immediately felt compelled to tell my stepmom what I had seen. But the thing is, she's a total skeptic. But I felt compelled to tell her anyway. I never would have guessed what she was about to say. She looked me dead in the eyes and said, Did you talk to it? (gasps) I was taken aback, but shook my head. No. Good, she said. And if you see it again, rebuke it in Jesus' name and send it away. Again, I was confused. Did my stepmom, Mrs. Ghosts and Demons Are Fake, actually believe me? Anyway, she refused to talk about it again, but I want to know what she knows. If anything else happens, I'll update you. See you on the other side, Austin. Okay, I like, need to know what she knows. What do you? She, right? How can she just leave that dangling there? Well, it very clearly isn't that she's a skeptic. It's more like I don't want to acknowledge them because I don't want to experience them. Maybe she's had a terrible right. experience in the past and is just like it's better not to acknowledge. Did you talk to it? Oh my! I would. What? I would need more. I would not be just. I mean, I guess there's nothing Austin could do because she was refusing to talk about it again. But that image, that thing that Austin saw. I know. And it not speaking, it not moving, just like, sometimes I don't know what's worse. Quick, really quick movement, really slow movement or no movement at all. I don't know. I also am imagining that this thing kind of looked like the killers in The Strangers. Yeah. Ooh, but it's like smeared with what looks like black ink that's so disturbing it's so unsettling it's almost like it's like a painting you know oh but like blurry and pale and white and it's like almost the opposite of a shadow person but has the same attributes and characteristics yeah austin also doesn't seem to have ever really seen the thing disappear austin just said that they fell asleep after after just like staring at the thing for God knows how long until falling asleep, like falling asleep while in a stare down with this creature. Ugh. Pass. <laughs> the only person I want to stare down is Leia. Okay, I have one. It's called Card Game with a Demon. It's from Jessica. I'm real jazzed about this one. Corinne, this is basically what you asked for over the bug. So I hope it's I, well, it was influenced by this email because I previously read it. Oh, that's funny. My name is Jessica. I'm from Bolton, England, and I've been listening to your podcast, Wilts Being Quarantined Slash Working From Home. I've always been interested in spooky stuff and old creepy stories, so I'm happy I've found you. You've helped me get through. I've always been quite spiritual. However, I watch a lot of horror films, so I tried to not let myself get carried away and have had some bad experiences with sleep dread. Basically, one night I woke up at a sleepover with friends with the feeling of someone staring at me, my full head of hair covering my face. Whilst trying to part my hair, I panicked because the hair wouldn't go away and I could feel this presence just getting closer. I eventually parted my hair and woke up. I fully thought that I was awake before this, though. The only thing I could feel all night was intense fear and I had to have time off of work because I was so afraid of going to sleep. Eventually, working at it in therapy. Therapy's great. Love it. Since then, I have remembered having this experience when I was growing up in a haunted house when I was five, where I used to have imaginary friends, pretended I was a witch, kids, eh, and had bad sleep experiences. 
I used to tell everyone that I had seen a ghost because I used to see my nightmares in my room at night, mostly dinosaurs. Whenever I tried to wake my sister, I shared a bunk bed with her and her and I in the bottom bunk and my two brothers on the top, but she wouldn't ever wake up. One time I saw a skeleton Halloween decoration literally flying around my bedroom and was going right up to my face. And this should have never been in my room and it wasn't in my room in the morning. The home had a few other unexplained instances. One where my mom woke up with scratches all over her legs. Another where there were scissors found right next to someone's decapitated flower heads. I've only lived in new build houses since this, last time being an old factory. I've had bad experiences here, one where I was drifting off and heard a voice whisper my name from under my bed. There was just clutter there. Ooh. But I decided to write to you and share my story, however small it is, because I was telling my friend Amanda about the doll, Mandy, the one from earlier episodes. We always share weird stories and conspiracies, etc., and we have all recently decided to become more spiritually aware in our lives. I woke up that night and I tried to go back to sleep and immediately saw a doll staring back at me. I googled Mandy afterwards and it wasn't her, thank the Lord. <laughs> but I told my Mandy about this and she told me the following story about her granddad. He was an old Irishman and back in those days, they used to know everyone they shared a town with and would normally spend their nights at the local social club playing cards, winning back what they'd lost the previous night to their neighbor. <laughs> One night, a gentleman came into the club and he asked if he could play. They all reluctantly agreed. They were all weary that someone they didn't know had discovered their club. Every game this mysterious man played, he won by fluke and ended up leaving with everyone's money. The men in the club followed him outside, probably wanting to fight for their money back or ask how he did it. But no one was there when they got outside. Going back into the club, the floor was full of thresh. And the footprints in the straw were hooves. Oh? He always told her this story, saying that he played poker with the devil. And he had many more stories like this. Thanks for reading my stories. I currently live in an old repurposed spinning mill and know that there will have been a few machinery deaths here. There was also a tenant who attempted to jump off of a roof here. I feel a vibe, especially in the dark hall, but haven't decided what it is yet. But I'll 100% invest in some sage if it takes a turn and i will be back in touch stay safe stay spooky and see you on the other side jessica okay love that i also love that the irish the irish always have the best ghost stories and stories the best. like this the best just sounds like a good time like it, it, at this experience at least it's like okay well not not a good time that you know you're losing your money and this guy seemingly knows how to win every single game but to have a kind of like a benign encounter where the only bad thing that happens to you is you lost your money to a stranger so you don't have the opportunity to win it back. <laughs> and then to see the hooves, see all this stuff. Oh my gosh. And to be in a group too. So it's it's a little less a little less scary. Although I imagine the walk home that night was probably terrifying. Yeah. Everyone was like, well, you're going to walk me home first and then you go home. Yes. I always do that. I'm always like, I want to be the first one dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. You know, what's really interesting is Jessica was talking about how in her childhood bedroom that she shared with her two brothers and her sister, that all of her nightmares and all of these things that kind of like would be from a child's imagination would actually like physically appear in her room. And it reminded me of one of the very first ghost experiences I ever had 
in the house that I lived in, in Littleton, New Hampshire. This is the place that I, I saw like shadow figures in the mudroom. But I also had one experience when I was sleeping in my, my parents' bed with my mom when my dad was out of town. Uh-huh. And I woke up in like what literally looked like a cartoon drawing with like the little jagged bottom ghost tail slowly moved across the wall and into the bathroom. And I remember telling my parents and drawing the picture and they were like, oh, yeah, like because it obviously looked fake. Like it was a dream. But I remember being like, why did it do that? Like, why did it present itself like that? Is it to isolate me and make me seem like I'm, I must be making it up? Or was it like a friendly ghost who appeared that way to make you be able to digest it? Maybe. We did have a an older man in that house that would like whistle and open and close the front door and flush the toilet. Maybe he just wanted to entertain me for a moment. Yeah. Well, it's still scary though because it's like late at night. Yeah. It is weird. I also do wonder like dreams are such a weird thing. Like I feel like there are times where you're in that like kind of half dream, half awake state where you do start to kind of see things. If that is, I don't know, I don't know anything about the brain because I'm not qualified to, but like if that could be that stronger in some people than others, or is it stronger in young kids? Cause like their imaginations are running wild and it's less, you know, you're not, you don't know all the, like the societal standards and norms mm-hmm. that like restrict you from thinking those things. I don't know. I don't know either. The skeleton is such a weird image. Right. Jessica, I just hope you get some sleep. I understand the battle of like both really wanting to scare yourself and your interests are dark and paranormal and you enjoy watching horror movies. But at the same time, it it so affects us, but we do it to ourselves, you know? That's, yep. That's what we say all the time about doing this podcast. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's the constant battle between the two sides of like wanting to have a peaceful restful night and then also being like but i could watch demon house all right well i have one last story to wrap it up it's from cassie and it's called a ouija board caught my uncle's crotch on fire a ghost who oddly loves or maybe hates towels i'm still not sure and some other spooky shit wow okay Hi, spooky sisters and one ghost. I'm currently binging your podcast like a madwoman because I'm lame and found you about seven months ago. Where have you been all of my life? (laughs) My sister-in-law sent me your way and I'm so grateful. Thank you for providing a safe space for all of us. I've had a lot of little experiences in my life and I thought I'd share a few. So a little background on the house I grew up in. There's a small town just outside of Phoenix, Arizona called Avondale. Back in the day, the land consisted of small family farms and lots and lots of brown dirt. Quaint, small, boring. My grandpa lived on the outskirts of this town, his house surrounded by cotton fields, and basically nothing else. My aunt and uncle lived next door, and a lot of our extended family lived in trailers behind the property. There were always people around, food being made, kids playing outside, and grandpa always said the land his house was built on was a Native American burial ground. And honestly, it added to the spooky. So I've never questioned it, but now I'm feeling compelled to research if that's true. The property does sit behind a reservation, so I guess anything is possible. Anyway, for a little kid like me, maybe seven, his house was massive. It had long, narrow hallways, bedrooms with doors that for some reason randomly let outside, it had creaky floors, and just an all-around creepy feeling. 
The back side of the house didn't have many windows, so when you'd walk down the hall, it was dark and tiny, and you couldn't even open your arms without touching both walls. And you always felt watched. Constantly. As I grew older, the house began to talk, or live out loud. I'm still not sure, but either way, it frequently scared the ever-loving shit out of me. It was small things at first. Footsteps outside my door at all times during the day. Someone was always having a conversation in my room that I couldn't quite make out. You know, things kids think they hear but might dismiss. There was even a time when I heard two people all out fighting, arguing over a woman, and it ended with a scream. I did not sleep in my room for almost a week after that. I swore someone lived in my closet. There was a particular time when I felt something crawling up my leg. It felt like fingers with very pointy claws on the end. It was the middle of the night, close to 3 a.m., and it woke me from a dead sleep. I reached for it, thinking it was a scorpion, and I needed to get it the hell off of me. But nothing was there. Having watched enough ghost shows and heard enough ghost stories, I got up, turned my light on, and my bed was empty. To this day, I have no idea what it was, nor do I allow myself to think about it any time after dark. But things really ramped up when my grandpa brought a Ouija board into the house. You see, my family... They're all a bunch of big, bad men, hell-bent on proving their dominance. Yes, I'm rolling my eyes, and I'm sure you are too. Ugh, moving on. Anyway, the first significant event I can recall was one night, my uncle, my grandpa, and grandma, and cousins decided to take out the Ouija board to talk to whomever was causing the ruckus. Earlier that evening, a glass had fallen out of a cabinet and turned on the sink in the kitchen. The game began like every other Ouija session on the planet. They asked the mundane questions, who's here, where are you from, can you tell me your name, and they got no answer. Eventually, my uncle got angry and cocky at the silence and began to provoke whatever entity was around. Typical dude nonsense stuff you'd see on ghost adventures, minus the know-how. Eventually, things began to heighten. The house began to stir, there was a knock on the wall, there were whispers, Things that they could easily blame on us kids, who were, by the way, cowering on the couch because we were all scared out of our minds. Fast forward to even more provoking, and somehow, whatever was in the room with us decided to catch my uncle's crotch on fire. Yes, his mother effing crotch. He said that it began to smoke like someone had dropped cigarette ash on his jeans, and then all of a sudden it started to burn. I can't remember how much because the house went into full-blown mayhem. People were screaming, slapping his pants, us kids were crying, and most of all, they threw the Ouija board across the room without closing it and shoved it away. Needless to say, my uncle took a break from visiting my grandpa's house for a while, and the adults never touched the game again. But things didn't really stop there. I remember one time my cousin walked into the bathroom to find a towel tied into a knot on the ground. She walked out and asked me if I did it, and I said, no, of course, who ties her towels in knots for fun? I thought it was absurd. So she put it back, thinking nothing of it. The next time, maybe an hour later, my grandma went into the bathroom, and again, the towel was tied in a knot. Now, this wasn't some easy, pliable towel. It was a sturdy beach towel that my grubby little kid hands could not knot. Collectively, the house grew a little tense, and my grandpa told us to leave it alone, Only whoever or whatever was tying our towels in knots did not stop. It went on for a few days. If the bathroom was left unattended for any amount of time, we'd find the towels in knots. At one point, the floor was littered with them. 
Mind you, this is my bathroom across the hall from my room. So one evening while I was in bed, I swore I heard something in the bathroom. And even though I was terrified, I asked it to stop tying things in knots. I literally walked to the doorway and said, hey, stop tying stuff in knots, you weirdo. You're creeping me out and I can't see you. Thankfully, it stopped. Little things happened after that. Grandpa had a toy semi-truck on the entertainment center. It flew off and hit him in the back. We'd wake up with scratches in places we couldn't reach in our sleep, or ever. The cabinets would open, and whatever was in the house didn't like paper plates, and always threw the stack of paper plates my grandparents used to the ground. The last really big thing that happened was right after my grandparents added another room onto the house. My grandpa is a huge prankster. He would literally jump for joy scaring us kids. Me specifically, because I was the favorite. Ha. I was the only grandkid who lived there, so typically, I got the brunt of it. When you live out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, creepy crawly things like to make their way into your house. Snakes. Yes, snakes. One time, one even crawled through the faucet into my bathtub. The same bathroom where the infamous knotted towels would show up. Scorpions, cockroaches, ick. So, as a kid, I was, of course, scared of all of those things, and always on the lookout for anything that might be hiding. And because he knew I hated anything creepy and crawly, my grandpa's weapon of choice was this toy beetle the size of my head that he probably bought at the dollar store. Needless to say, that damn toy scared me often, and it always gave my grandpa a good laugh. One day, the beetle was stuck against the wall in a narrow hallway, the one that I talked about earlier. It had a little suction on the back and could easily stick to any smooth surface. My grandparents and I were all in the back room, and all of a sudden, we heard this loud thud over and over again. Boom, boom, boom. Grabbing the shotgun from the closet, armed and ready for what I didn't know, my grandpa slowly made his way out of the bedroom only to yell my grandma's name. I followed close behind, the thwacking not stopping. Boom, boom, boom. We finally entered the hallway, and that's when I saw this toy beetle being slammed against the walls of the hallway. Ooh! Only we were alone, and no one was actually touching the beetle. I couldn't believe my eyes, and it seemed the more it banged against the wall, the louder the thud became. I had to cover my ears, and panic began to set in. Everything happened in slow motion. My grandpa pushed me aside to find something. Grandpa started yelling at it to stop. Running back in, his Bible in hand, Grandma began screaming verses of the bug, willing it to stop. Someone we couldn't see was throwing it violently, violently against the wall. And after what seemed like forever, the beetle finally fell to the ground, still. It still gives me the chills thinking about it. After that, most of the activity seemed to stop, but the house always made noises. It always felt like someone was watching you, but the presence after that was never menacing enough to really scare me. Since then, my grandpa has passed and the house has been sold, oddly, to someone I know from childhood. And I like to think that my grandpa keeps the house clean of anything bad. He was a protector, so it makes sense. I told myself when I wrote you I'd make it short, but here I am over a thousand words later and still have so much to tell you. Woosa. Okay, one more. My husband's family has never really been into ghosts or the paranormal, like at all. It was laughable to them. Ha, the afterlife pish posh nonsense. It doesn't exist. My husband's sister was the only one into it, and we bonded over ghost adventures and a haunting. A lot of our relationship was built on the spooky, and over 14 years later, we still bond over it. So, my husband's aunt passed away suddenly almost seven years ago from an overdose. It sort of rocked the family. Everyone knew she was sad, but never enough to hurt herself. The night after she passed, she came to me in a dream, looking like she did when she was young. 
She was healthy, her hair was beautiful and long, her skin was clear, and she looked so peaceful. I recall tearing up, so happy to see her at such ease. She told me that she didn't mean to overdose and that it was an accident and that she felt awful because she knew she was causing her mom and sister's pain. She had tears in her eyes, but she also said she felt so good, better than she ever had in life. She told me to tell grandma and my mother-in-law that she didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident and hoped knowing the real story would help them move on. She hugged me and then disappeared. I think she came to me because I was the only one in the family who was open to hearing a message and she knew I wouldn't be afraid to tell her story. That's all I have for now. There's plenty of other stories, perhaps for another time. Thanks for reading my rambling school, friends. See you on the other side, Cassie. Oh my goodness. There's so much. The The ghost is like totally friendly, but also a bit of a prankster, right? Like the one growing up in her childhood home. I yeah, think there's, like with tying the towels. Yeah, tying the towels, like just being goofy and like taking the toy that her grandpa would tease her with, making a scene. But that one was scary. That one terrifies me. Because it's one thing if it's like moving it around, but then bang, 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 back and forth, whacking it against the wall over and over and over and over in such an aggressive manner is strange. Do you think that it's a child? That is like the thought that just crossed my mind as I was saying that. It could be. I mean, it sounds like there are tons of spirits at that house. Mm -hmm. And also the tying the towels in a knot could be a child... Yeah. I mean, part of me is scared because anytime there's paranormal activity, it's scary. (laughs) But then the other part of me is like, there seems to be something that's, yes, has a lot of energy and yes, is rather active and and prominent in terms of how it shows itself. But at the same time, it doesn't feel demonic. It doesn't feel, but it doesn't also feel unintelligent, (laughs) you know, like it feels conscious of what it's doing. It's not like a passive ghost. It's just like, always seen going up and down the stairs like this thing is actively working with what is in front of it and new items that are being brought into the home right which i'd prefer that than whatever the thing was that was crawling on her leg and made her feel like there was a scorpion on her leg Ugh, so creepy yeah not a fan of that but the last experience with the aunt and her coming to her in a dream is just so beautiful And so heartbreaking, but uh, just an amazing experience for her to be able to share with his family. And so much love, obviously, that the aunt has for her family to have felt good and found peace and is on the other side and yet still is taking the time and spending the energy to make sure that those that she left behind understand what happened. She's still taking care of them. She's still making sure that they're able to move on as quickly and as gracefully as they can from something like this, something as traumatic as losing a a sibling or friend or daughter or loved one. Right. I'm curious how receptive the family was to it because she said that they were very closed off and not open to the paranormal, but I wonder if they were willing to accept that. Yeah. I wonder if she, if there was anything in particular, like the way that Cassie was telling the story maybe it sounded very much like the speech patterns of the aunt over cassie i don't know i don't know but it's so beautiful it is Uh, it really is this episode has really lifted my spirits my birthday spirits good i'm glad (laughs) except for the whole middle part where it was just straight up demonic possession (laughs) 
but still lifted your spirits. You like that. Even still, spirits are high. You enjoy the Ouija board, demons, all that stuff. I love those stories. They're my fave. The darkness. Darkness. Well, I'm glad you had a good birthday read. (laughs) Thank you, everyone who submitted emails, who submitted stories. If you have a story that you would like to submit, our email is twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. We've said it before in previous episodes, but if you would like a chance for your email to be read, you'll have to email them to us because we only look in our inbox when we pick stories. So if you tweet or Instagram or Facebook, unfortunately, we're... We're not pulling from those, so. Or if you snail mail it to us. We do read from snail mail. If you want to snail mail it to us, you can. We do. We have snail mail. And we have a snail mail. We have an update, but I will save it for next episode. Perfect. There are a variety of ways to support us. The most important to me is iTunes reviews. Please rate and review. Give us a five stars and write a review. You'll also lift my spirits again. And we have Patreon, we have merch, we have social media. You can join our Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We don't tweet much, but we, our Facebook group is super active and it's the greatest group I've ever been a part of and ever known. And I feel so grateful for all of you. And we also want to say thank you to Max and Eric and the rest of the team at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast every single week. We so appreciate all the expertise and the help that you guys give us to make our audio in tip-top shape. Truly, if you need any editing help, please reach out to Upfire Digital. They are amazing. Tell them that we sent you because they'll hook you up. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.